when I was a kid, I experienced music for the first time in life. And a friend of the family, he was a great bass player. And I remember going and watching a rehearsal with my parents and we were just kind of sitting there on beanbags that probably ages me, but you get the idea. And just listening to this music of these people played it live. And it just resonated with me differently, actually watching how music was made and the volume and the fact that it was a physical kind of force really made an impression on me. And of course, I was really young, so I didn't really understand what I was seeing, but I knew that I liked it. I knew that something different was happening and that I was seeing something being created in front of my eyes. And I didn't have a context for it, so it was hard to kind of take in because up until that point, music had been this thing that I'd listened to on the radio or that you'd listen to on a stereo or on a record or a tape or a cassette, or a CD, or whatever. And watching music live just kind of touched me in this weird kind of way and kind of moved me in this weird kind of way that I I probably, now I have the words to explain, but at the time I didn't. On my recent trip to Okinawa, I had that feeling again. But it was coming from a country and a culture and a history that I'd never experienced before. And the Invisible Sensei podcast, yes, it is about martial arts and it's most specifically about, I guess, my own experiences and my own martial arts journey. But I think it's like I had the opportunity to experience a symphony of sensation, if that makes any sense. There was the Ryukin culture, the traditional culture of the islands, the odori, the traditional practices, the language, the food, and the monuments and all those sorts of things. And then there was a more recent history. There was the Peace Museum, which was just this incredibly powerful place that spoke to me about the more recent history of Okinawa and and why and how resilient a people can be to come back from something so destructive as the Second World War and the Battle of Okinawa and walking amongst those headstones and seeing all of those names and those people and realising those are children and women and men and young and old that will never and had never had the chance to realise their potential. And then to go to some of the dojo that I was very fortunate to go to and to listen to the music and to experience culture and food and all those sorts of things, it was kind of a different context for me because also I was going there to share some of my own culture, Indigenous Māori culture. And I had an opportunity to go to... Uh, Tetsuhiro Hokama's sensei's uh, beautiful dojo and go to the karate museum and if you do Okinawan karate you know what I'm talking about and it was just this amazing place of history and I felt so honoured to be there sensei James Pankovich of the Asato dojo on Bujin TV was kind enough to take me um, and accompanying me also and taking me there and kind of being 
I guess a host with the most was uh, Josh Simmer Sensei of the Okinawan Karate Podcast. And just walking around and looking at the pictures and the magazines and the weapons, and it was just this really overwhelmingly powerful feeling of history and connection. And I even found a Māori weapon in there. Hokama Sensei has a, has a couple of Māori weapons in his vast arsenal of weaponry contained within the museum. And walking around seeing the pictures of the masters and training devices and different hand postures and historical charts, many of which were in English, many of which were in Japanese, which obviously I couldn't read. But just a sense of history was really powerful. And being able to be in a group of people where Hokama Sensei was himself talking about different things. At one point, he did stop and say, you're Aboriginal and I'm Aboriginal, meaning that he was uh, an Indigenous Okinawan and I'm an Indigenous Māori and Polynesian person. And uh, that was really cool. <laughs> there was no negativity there at all. That was a really nice moment. But having time to walk around there, having time to experience the karate of other sensei and the martial arts um, of one particular sensei who was in his 80s but could throw me through a wall. And realising there is a whole other, another strata, a level, a place that I still need to work towards. And whether I get there, it's not the point, but it is kind of, if you're hearing that, that's a plane flying over here. I'm sitting at the end of a, of a runway. I've just dropped some family off to the airport. So, yeah, gosh, terrible place to sit for sound. Anyway, there is a whole other strata of martial arts that I'm not even close enough to touch. Like, I could see what was happening and I could feel what was happening in terms of the technique, but I cannot reproduce and I cannot tell you how it happened. It's not something... What's the word? Woo-woo and chi balls and magical powers. It's all about applied biodynamics. Um, you know, 70 years of training plus um, a vast experience and an ongoing desire to evolve that allowed this particular sensei to be able to move in that way and to be so awe-inspiring and to do kata and to use weaponry in such a way that honestly it was awe-inspiring enough that there was a few tears in my eyes because it was just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Meeting sensei who were shamans who had a deep spiritual attachment to karate to their ancestors to the proliferation of their particular style, but also this amazingly welcoming attitude. And the dominant feature of a lot of these sensei for me were their attitude towards just having fun and, and their eagerness to laugh and, and just to enjoy and their openness was so nice, especially to some random guy from New Zealand. So it was really special. I loved every minute of it. I had an opportunity to train with Ulf Carlson Sensei and it was just amazing. Uh, Kishi Motodi is just the way he teaches it and the approachability that he had and having coffee and going for some good sushi afterwards and having an opportunity to, to just throw questions at him and, and just as willing to answer. It was amazing. The sessions were incredible. In fact, I did receive a bit of a a bit of a cheeky message from uh, 
my brother from another mother, Josh Simmons Sensei, and James Bankman Sensei, as they were training with all Sensei today, saying, we're learning all the secrets and you're not here. Which is probably actually not too far from the truth, but it was fantastic. I loved the approachability. Um, I loved the fact that I got to experience a little bit of the culture and not just karate in terms of that, you know, and sort of have that be part of, you know, oh, this is Okinawan culture, when it's actually a part of Okinawan culture. The seminars that I taught, well, I'm going to leave that for another podcast because I really want to talk more about what my experience was. But I met incredible sensei from all over the world. The Asato Dojo, to me, was just this amazing place for training. Um, It was kind of a melting pot of different martial artists coming to meet with Pankovic Sensei and do some training and attend classes. Um, uh, Tamashiro-san, who was a fantastic practitioner. Yagi Sensei, um, Arakaki Sensei, Shinzato Sensei. Um, I mean, there were so many incredible instructors. Um, Kina Sensei. And I know I'm leaving some and I don't wish to, but it was just this amazing opportunity for me and I'm, I am so, so very grateful. One of the things that I think I got from the experience was, and this may shock many of my Gorjuru brothers and sisters, but I didn't actually do any Gorjuru, or, well, I, obviously I practice Gorjuru, but I didn't visit or go attend any Gorjuru dojo whilst I was in Okinawa and I was there for a month. And to be honest, it's not that I feel that I have such a level of Gorjuru, I, I don't need the training, but I think for me in past visits, Gorjuru was kind of all I did. And I have so much more work to do in my Gorjuru, but I was actually really interested to see what existed. And going there and being part of uh, James Pankovic Sensei's Uchideshi program, and having opportunities to meet and train with lots of different people and and having lots of different experiences was really liberating in that I got to see lots of different styles and feel really clumsy at every turn Uh, to experience all the stuff that we do when we go to Okinawa to go to the Kaikan, to go to the Budokan to go to the memorials and all of those wonderful things but also to um, just have opportunities to have really interesting conversations with people about their culture and how they view the history of Okinawa and where karate is going and where it came from and to train with people it's just it was really amazing um, and I suppose for me not doing my own style or not sort of pursuing one so I had opportunities to train with them you know train alongside other Gorjuru practitioners many of them very senior um, I was lucky enough to have some come to the dojo um, and then attend my seminars um, I thought I don't know it kind of invigorated me because I was every time I walked into a class I generally didn't know the kata although I'm in the midst of learning the hanchi now. Thank you very much, Pankovic Sensei and Carlson Sensei and Josh Sensei and Arakaki Sensei, of course. Um, an example, uh, Yoshimitsu Arakaki Sensei um, of Matsubashiru was kind enough to allow me to come and train at his dojo. And I did one session and it went for several hours. 
and it was my first session back on Okinawa and it was hot. I was wearing a very heavyweight gi and I, as we were doing Kibadachi, because in, in Gojuru, at least the way that I've been taught Gojuru, there's not a real emphasis on Kibadachi as it starts. My knees started knocking, I turned red from sweat and exertion and probably didn't equip myself very well, but uh, Arakaki Sensei was very kind and helped me and it was just amazing. It just He was a true Okinawan gentleman. Um, and that was kind of very typical of my experience there, but I learned some valuable things, not necessarily about Gojuru, but certainly about Karate. And a lot of it was about the kind of person on the strike that I'd like to be in the future. A lot of it was about what my contribution to Karate is. So I guess for me going to Okinawa, you know, there's also the, the experience that I got, but it's also what was it that I was wanting to leave? What was I wanting to... Not exchange is not the right word, but you know what was I, I willing to share? And I hope that what I was able to do was at the very least equip myself in a respectful manner. Certainly, I didn't go over there and impress anyone with my masterful technique. And I went over there about as unfit as you can get, carrying a knee injury and all these other excuses. But also, don't forget I met masters that were in their 80s and 90s. And um, so, yeah. I'm just going to train every day now. I've got no excuse um, seeing these elderly masters. Um, going to the to the Ron Nix Sensei's dojo, the Nix family dojo, was amazing. They were kind enough to host the second of my seminars and attend. And just their hospitality, their technique, their spirit, and their just the openness were just amazing. And, and uh, uh, Mrs. Akemi Nix was amazing. She performed these beautiful odori dances and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly as an acknowledgement after we finished the seminar Ron Nick Sensei and his incredibly talented son were just perfect hosts uh, every step of the way it was an amazing experience but I think the thing that really kind of stuck with me was going back to my little room and a very comfortable room I might add and putting my gear through the washing machine for about the 700th time and you know picking it up on the line and sort of having a shower and sort of grabbing some, some onigiri um, if you've been talking now you know how uh, how good onigiri tastes from Lawson's you know so I'm sitting here um, drinking my green tea and, drink, and eating my onigiri and I'm thinking man what an amazing place what an amazing opportunity and I'm so lucky that so many friends reached out with good wishes while I was there um, the training was amazing, um, but more than that, I kind of felt like I was an honoured guest in this culture and in this place and in this time. And I also felt very grateful for my own culture. I felt very grateful that I was able to share some of it and hopefully equip myself in a way that did not embarrass my ancestors. But seeing the shisen and walking down Kokusai Dori and, and <laughs> drinking habushu <laughs> and all those incredible things, thank you Matsuda Sensei, um, was just amazing. It's just amazing. But I think that the thing which I, or one of the many things which I take away is the sincerity, the humbleness 
and the integrity with which those Okinawan men and women practice karate and live their lives. I'm not under any illusions. We all are human and we all have human frailties. I'm not sort of saying that, you know, it was the perfect world. It's never the perfect world. But what I can say is that I experienced something which made me realise and reinforce my love of karate and kobudo and kobujutsu and the ryukyu and martial arts. And, you know, I talked a bit about not doing gojuru. It was because I wanted to be inspired by stuff I didn't know. And, again, I'm not saying that I'm, I am au fait with all the mysteries of gojuru, certainly not. But I'm saying that on this particular trip, I didn't take a lot of photos, and actually the photos that I'm putting up on social media and so on and so forth actually weren't taken by me in, in most instances. I wanted to be in the moment, and I wanted to sh- I just wanted to experience it because it was just so amazing. So, should you go to Okinawa? I think if you have the means and the opportunity, I think you should. If you practice karate, um, I think it's a, an incredible place to go and touch the homeland and just kind of experience that. But maybe you're in a place where you think that's not a reality for you. Maybe you're in a place where you think that, you know, would they, how could I ever get to the other side of the world? Look, man, woman, girl, friend, other. I felt exactly the same way you know I felt exactly the same way and there was just something really magical about the whole process of getting there um, it was difficult and there were some wonderful friends who helped me along the way um, not the least of which is uh, our, our brother uh, Michael Hagen sensei of the way of the fist podcast who um, was kind enough to pick me up in Taipei uh, Josh Simmons sensei of the Okinawan Karate podcast it's really a real name dropping podcast isn't it um, who was and his lovely family who were just so incredible um, his lovely wife mummy, his daughters um, who were just absolutely perfect hosts and made the most amazing sandwiches sub sandwiches I've ever had yum um, who, had, who I had my, my second Thanksgivings with um to the Knicks family, to the Pankovich family, um, to um, my bro um, Steve Jarvis, who was just a, an incredible friend and incredible ambassador for all things good in Australia, um, and my translator, <laughs> um, to everyone I met, just amazing. Um, and it kind of it feels like this podcast has turned into I'd like to thank the members of the academy. I think that maybe something to take away from this is this it's really important to find in life what you want to do and what you're passionate about and I think the key to living a good and long and prosperous and energetic life is to continue to do that thing I grew up with parents who didn't believe in my desire to practice martial arts and that's not a begging me begging them but it is me saying that they never believed it would amount to anything. They believed that you know, I should get a job and do all those common sense things, but I'm not a, really a common sense person. If you know me or if you listen to the podcast, you know that. But what I can say is that I found something that I love doing and I've continued to do it for 40 years and I am constantly surprised by the amazing people that it's brought into my life, by the small contributions that I've been able to make to others. Um... You know, my mentor and friend, Pat McGale-sensei, 
and his lovely wife Lloyd and their son Vinny came all the way from San Francisco to come and train and be there and we shared some really special memories and, and went and had a bonfire on Hamahiga Beach and did kata at midnight. It was amazing. So I want to thank them. That was just not even scratching the ice, the tip of the iceberg. But um, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast a little bit longer, but you can hear I'm really gushing about the experience. Over the next few weeks, I want to tell you about some of the sensei and some of the uh, experiences that I had in more in depth. Not to brag, but to say there is light at the end of the tunnel and we've just got to keep stoking the fires and walking towards that because I promise you, it's like nothing you've ever seen.